Hi, everyone. Welcome, and thanks for joining us for Stars of Franchising. Get ready for a roller coaster ride through the world of franchising as we bring you the best stories of inspiration and entrepreneurial grit and turning dreams into franchise realities. That's right, Vinny. From emerging to global brands, we'll chat with the genius minds behind the magic. All brought to you by the Tariq Fareed Franchise Institute at Babson College. I'm Ab. And I'm Vinny. Now, buckle up for some serious inspiration. We're here to talk to some uh, great entrepreneurs, investors, and today we have one of those investors, Dan Bonoff from Good Partners. Welcome, Dan. Thank you, Ab. Good to be here. Great to have you. And and Vinny and I, you know, for our guests, love to talk about, you know, our guests and their story, their pathway, maybe to what they're doing and what calls them what to what to do what they do. Uh, can you share with a little bit with us uh, your background and your pathway to becoming an investor in, in private equity and focusing on consumer brands? Sure. Um, it's uh, it's been a long time uh, since it happened, but um, coming out of college, I. Uh, uh, took the route of becoming an investment banker mm-hmm. um, and was fortunate enough at the uh, end of my second year to have worked on a principal transaction uh, at the bank I was working at. They had a merchant banking group mm-hmm. and um, absolutely loved it um, and was uh, fortunate enough um, in my job search coming out of my two-year program to uh, land a job on the principal investing side and um, have kind of really never looked back uh, except for one quick pit stop at business school um, and within that it really has been um, focused uh, largely on the consumer sector mm-hmm. um, within that uh, multi-unit uh, and yeah. of course restaurants and franchises uh, fall within that so uh, it's been a it's been a long road I love what I do and um, I'm excited to be here thanks for having me and uh, look forward to the questions you're going to serve up uh, thank you, Dan. Uh, Dan, let, let's kick off uh, by looking at what you consider is the biggest misconceptions people have about franchising. Wow. Um, the biggest misconceptions uh, people have about franchising, I think uh, from the um, – I'll, I'll, I, I might have a different take than some of your other guests to a question like that, but – uh, I think there is a perception out there amongst prospective franchisees that it's easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we hear um, that a lot. That that, that uh, you, all you need to do is show up and um, you know open up a, a franchise, and uh, the rest takes care of itself. And uh, that is could not be more wrong, and could not be uh, more uh, far afield from the truth. Um, because uh, just because someone has created a concept and uh, laid out, um, you know, the metrics and um, given you guidance about how to operate a business and execute a business plan, uh, that's, um, you know, uh, conservatively, I'll say that's about 20 percent of the hall. Uh, hmm. The rest is actually yeah. operating it on a day to day. And uh, it's 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 a slog. Wow. <laughs> um, that's that's my that's my perspective. Okay, if if I may, just before I yeah. turn it over yeah. to Ab, uh, it, some people out there say that okay, you know what? Uh, if you go into franchising, you are not really an entrepreneur because you're taking a playbook, uh, even though it's twenty percent, and then you just run with it, you know. So you're not like, you're not an entrepreneur. So why why should we even consider you? Uh, uh, 
as such, you know. Yeah. So what would you say to that? People will say franchisees and franchisors are not entrepreneurs. <laughs> Listen, I, it's a silly take, in my opinion. You're still an entrepreneur. You're still an independent business owner. Uh, whether someone has given you an idea and, you know, how far, how much of an idea they've given you or how much of how much work or how much of a head start they've given you, you're still operating a business by yourself as an independent operator. Um, and you have to deal with the day to day slog of being an entrepreneur. Um, so, you know, yeah, I, I completely disagree with that take. Um, uh, you know, fran franchise, you know, I think there is a perception out there that being a franchisee and um, you know, I won't take an obvious one like McDonald's, but take a take a restaurant concept and oh, hey, I should open up a franchise. Uh, it's going to take care of my retirement. I'm just going to sit back and collect coupons. You know, it's just going to spin off money or, hey, I'm going to buy myself a job by opening up a franchise. It's it's hard work. <laughs> it's hard work. And your your salary or your income manages is dependent upon how well you operate and execute that concept. Um, and if you don't, uh, if you don't make a profit, you know, um, you're out of business. Mm -hmm. And that's the ultimate definition of being an entrepreneur. Wow. Yeah, good stuff, Dan. And, and let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, your, the seat you've been in over the years and, and looking at consumer deals and multi-unit deals. And, and I think to, to that question, too, the, the role and the view from private equity uh, regarding the franchise model investment, whether it be a franchise brand or now we see it multi-unit franchisees being invested in. Has that changed? Has private equities, to put it in a broad carrier, has the view or the interest changed over the last 15 or 20 years with I can control the brand or not? What's your take on that? Or, or is that, you know, not something that's, you know, valid? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, and I might give an answer that might be different from a lot of yeah. other investors because uh, the firms that I have worked at, for better or worse, have taken the view that um, only interested in being a franchisor yeah. uh, and opening company-owned stores. And the, yeah. the, to summarize the general theory behind that, mm -hmm. it's um, if the unit economics are compelling enough for us to be interested in investing in this concept, well, then I've got capital. I can yeah. take care of uh, capital. I don't need to share those unit economics um, with someone else, um, you know, and get a 5% royalty as yeah. opposed to getting, you know, yeah. that uh, significant profit potential, which should be many multiples of that 5% uh, royalty. Um, so, you know, that, that's been our perspective. I would say we're, you know, there is, I certainly can appreciate the um, appeal of the um, franchisor, um, uh, you know, what, that that uh, has a big franchise base model and and plan on doing that because it takes out a lot of risk yeah. of the execution of opening, you know, the capital risk of opening new units, and you know, you're putting that down to the day-to-day -day operator, the entrepreneur, as you know, from the last question. Um, you know, to 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 take that risk, and you're sitting back and really uh, taking on what what uh, yeah. what could be a very uh, predictable and growing uh, income stream, yeah. which I know is very you know uh, appealing to many private equity investors, and certainly to the lenders who help finance yeah. uh, private equity transactions. Well, see, there, there's a reason he's one of the most brilliant investors, and I love that answer, Dan, because you're right. It's And a lot of, I think, potential franchisees and, and investors in brands don't understand that. And I remember as a 
MBA student here a long time ago at Babson. I asked Bob Rosenberg Jr., son of the founder of Duncan, why was Duncan franchised and not Starbucks? And to your point, Dan, if the, he said if the return on investment and unit economics are so robust, you know, and you have access to capital, like you mentioned, there's no really no need, you know, to franchise. So I think that's really really important to note, you know, that. Franchise isn't right for all brands, and as an investor, if you do have those returns, it can be very compelling to not be <laughs> asset light. So that's that's fascinating. Yeah, I, I will I will say, Ab, and, and thank you for the the nice words. Don't um, the, the, um, I appreciate the, the kind words? But um, I, I will say, we we have always viewed franchising as a potential complement to the core business, yeah. um, uh, where. Uh, opportunity arose in a uh, geography far afield from where we currently operate, where it really wouldn't potentially compete with where we wanted to go or, you know, where yeah. we wanted to go with our own capital. Um, and someone wanted to, you know, to take an extreme example, wanted to open units in Alaska. Yeah. Sure. You know, if, if, if you want to do that and we can get a royalty and you're going to plant a flag for the brand, you know, it's, it's, it could be strategic for us, but um, you know, Certainly not in a contiguous geography that we yeah. potentially saw in the cards for us to open, you know, company-owned units. Um, so, so we do see the merits of a, of a franchise model, but um, you know, as a as a ultimate provider of capital, uh, uh, you know, unit economics um, and the ability to invest a dollar and get back forty or fifty cents or even more um, as an ROI, that that's that's yeah. that's what makes a, investing in restaurants compelling and exciting. Well, Dan, uh, if you look back, uh, Dan, uh, the inroads that PE or venture capitalists have been making into franchising, it wasn't something that started maybe uh, before, I mean, 50, 60 years ago. Maybe they look at franchising and say, what is this guy? But things have changed over time. Uh, and what changes have you seen and, uh, and uh, what do you see happening in the future in the relationship between capital providers and the franchise industry well that's a great question I, I i don't i don't have the ability to go back 50 or 60 years but um in my 30-ish years um of of kind of looking at the space i'd say the biggest uh change that i could identify is where you know as a franchisor of a you know hey i have a couple units and i want to be a fan you know i want to get some franchisees mm -hmm. You know that that could be a tough slog to find someone willing to, yeah. to take that on to take on the economics there are now i don't want to call them incubator but certainly their company business their companies who are in the business of providing the franchise or support to sell franchise yeah. agreements hmm. um which is a you know incredible um uh it added a lot of fuel to the the growth of franchising in the business hmm. i'd also you know i'd also just say um what 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 you know the the uh, proliferation of franchising um has been a a, a byproduct of the success i think yeah. you know there are a lot of you know first generation americans uh got, you know it's what makes our country great you know people came over who did buy themselves a yeah. job bought himself a franchise did it well worked hard and you know bought a second one and bought a second and and have you know all of a sudden kind of it does work out the, the american dream of you know hey i own a you know 50 100 even you know even more 
units. I'm sitting back. I'm retired. And, uh, you know, and uh, hey, maybe I'll go to another concept. Um, And there are tons of stories like this where, you know, really nice big businesses um, have been uh, built up. And I do think, you know, the availability of credit, I do do think lenders uh, coming into the space and seeing that these are generally appealing businesses, you know, the the concept is known. a lot of times it involves um, hard assets, uh, yeah. you know, the, the the building and sometimes land. Mm-hmm. So they're easy to lend against. And then they have a pretty predictable earnings stream. Right. You know, the cer- certainly the availability of credit and capital has helped, uh, you know, really, really expand the, the franchise base, I would say. Interesting. And, that, and that's a great point for entrepreneurs and potential franchisees to realize out there. There's more than one way to get to, you know, establishing a a formidable company and also thinking about what you point out dad dan the access to capital you know and and some people may be more willing mm-hmm. banks included to lend to mm-hmm. an established brand which is is good for people to know dan let's let's switch gears a little bit to scaling right multi-unit expansion which which you've seen a lot of and can you talk a little bit about you know what what you've seen successful CEOs and teams do that are trying to get from five or eight units to 20 or 40 or what you look for? Maybe some advice for some of those entrepreneurs and teams that are looking to scale, whether it's franchising or not. But um, in today's dynamics, let's just take restaurants um, or or other multi-unit concepts. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, great, great question, and I hope I can provide some insight because, because ultimately that that is the answer. Is <laughs> yeah. uh, you got to look around the corner, see what's yeah. coming next. So, um, particularly in multi-unit, the 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 the, the best way, uh, or flipping the coin, the worst way to get in trouble is to grow faster than your infrastructure can handle. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So you got have to be planning out uh, your expansion very methodically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Uh, you know, not necessarily a 10 or 15 year plan, but certainly a one, two, three year plan. Mm-hmm. Hey, where do I want to go? How, how am I going to get there? Um, you know, you can never plan enough. And that, that's I realize that's very, very much easier said than done yeah. when you're kind of uh, living the, the, the realities of running a business. And, you know, with with a lot of employees, you know, that taking the time to plan is difficult, but you have to plan yeah. because you don't you know, that's how concepts get in trouble. And that's how multi-unit operators get in trouble is by not having the plans in place uh, for the growth that you want to accomplish. If you grow and then you try to put the pieces in place, that's a disaster. And we've seen that plenty of times. We've we've certainly, you know, I'll I'll confess that we've we've made that mistake before. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes, you know, you just get caught up in the growth bug and haven't really thought through, hey, I need you know, everything from staffing, um, you know, training, um, you know, uh, site selection, uh, you know, everything needs to be well laid out uh, because uh, you, you, you don't want to get caught with your, you know, sorry, with your pants down, yeah. um, you know, having, having grown too fast without having those pieces in place right. and those plans in place. Well, let's, you know, you mentioned something there, which was looking around the corner. And I don't know that any of us could have predicted what we saw with the pandemic and the challenges, especially on the restaurant. Can you talk a little bit about um, what you saw as an investor or board member or observer in terms of some innovation or, you know, resilience that was shown you know in in some of the brands you've invested yeah it doesn't listen, have to be i think um, all it's a great question and we we really had a a great seat um on seeing how people navigated what was an unprecedented you know 
once in a you know once in a hundred year uh, pandemic um, that really wreaked havoc on the industry. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I could you know some of the the more creative things we saw was well you know were um, you know some some of our restaurant companies one of our restaurant companies in particular basically effectively turned into a grocery store. They had supply chain. Right. They had access to, you know, the, the raw materials, products, you know, that they, you know, as a as a normally functioning restaurant were turning into prepared meals. Hmm. And they, you know, basically offered grocery boxes because it was wow. very hard to get access to grocery stores. Yeah. Hmm. Um, they, you know, I think that, that that's just a kind of more novel, um, mm-hmm. you know, really innovative. How, how do I bring in income to keep people employed to ride this out uh, any way possible. Um, the, the most obvious kind of big transformation that the industry uh, went through was figuring out how to do off-premise uh, sales. Um, you know, if, if you were a restaurant company used to dine in a more traditional and maybe occasionally had a few takeout things, all of a sudden you completely had to shift the exact opposite. And that's not easy. Uh, uh, handling takeout um, and off-premise sales uh, is a huge operational stress. Takes a lot of training for execution, and you know a lot of companies failed miserably. You know the 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 product you know didn't travel well, and you know I'm sure you know we'll have studies looking back at it where people lost customers as a result yeah. of it. Um, but the the good ones um you know ha, you know the lucky ones already were prepare, prepared for it with yeah. the big off-premise business the good ones the really talented operators figured it out um took the lumps uh but but figured it out quickly and are now you know quite frankly now that this is largely behind us enjoying the benefit of hey they found a new revenue stream of takeout um or catering mm-hmm. that they didn't really have much of before that's totally incremental to their normal business well, uh, Dan, if if we could maybe just uh, piggyback on that by asking you uh, what you think are the best, the top two or three things the good franchisees or franchisors do well. Oh, oh wow. Um, well, I, 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 I'm fond of saying, um, you know, in restaurants in particular and you know, I guess the same holds for a lot of retail or even, you know, multi-unit. Mm-hmm. Um, you're really, you're in the people business. Yeah. Um, you know, you just happen, you just happen to be serving food or you happen to be selling carburetors or whatever, but you're in the people business and mm-hmm. the best operators is just training, uh, picking the right people yeah. or, or, you know, uh, training them up, coaching them up. So it comes across and people, people want to be there. People want to be in your store. They want to be in your restaurant. You might not necessarily have the best burger, but you know, you have the best servers, you have the best yeah. people. The experience is fun because people ultimately have a lot of options to get a hamburger, right? Hmm. So you got to make sure that they want to be and they feel comfortable in your, in your store. So I'd say that's number one. That's probably number one through 10. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. if, I had to, if I had to think to not number 11, um, you know, the, the, the really the really good ones i think um you know this might not be this might not be a popular answer but the really good ones really study what the competition is doing um you know and and and, and in restaurants in particular there are no patents in restaurants um you know so you're 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 looking what's out there and you're saying hey does this does this work you know does this innovation does what they're doing work in my business model 
you should constantly be a student of what what's around you mm-hmm. because imitation is the sincerest form of flattery uh, you know the cliche it's you know and in restaurants it you know when someone has a good idea don't be shy about knocking it <laughs> knocking it off <laughs> doing it yourself or doing it doing it better or doing a riff on it you know taking it and doing doing something your own vision for it um you know i'd say those are the best well yeah dan on 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 a little bit follow up on that with respect to understanding your competition and and what your consumers want um can you talk a little bit of what you're seeing innovative and and forward-thinking brands doing in terms of how they're perceived by you know the consumers and their employees with respect to whether it's you know focused on their community or or natural foods or just things that have strike you about differentiating when you're looking at consumer brands or companies that maybe 10 15 years ago weren't top of mind for companies i don't know if that makes sense yeah uh, great great question and i think um uh what i'll start with is by saying um the the mechanism for delivering whatever that is has gotten so powerful in terms of your ability through marketing to reach your customer Mm -hmm. and deliver you know you gotta you gotta keep them you know you gotta you can't be stale you can't be complacent in today's world because there is so much innovation and there is so much choice out there so i would say um, the ability to communicate, to gather, you know, contact information is, mm-hmm. you know, is important to then deliver constant messaging about what you're doing that's different, what's going to pull people into your stores. I'd say, um, you know, wellness is 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 pretty, pretty yep. top of mind right yeah. now. Better for you, you know, mm-hmm. different ways, um, you know, uh, you know, if you're a concept that isn't intentionally uh unhealthy which there are some that are great you know in which case you're saying hey <laughs> six days a week you can eat yeah. well you know one day a week you can you can you can indulge you know and there, that's a great business too but but it's ha- it's it's um you know I, i'd say most companies are are focused on the wellness yeah. how are we helping to make you healthier um you know by coming here because i think a lot of perception of eating out is it's an indulgence and yeah. you're eating unhealthy and um, it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, so I, I think that that's that's important. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, you know, the other innovation, I think, is probably ha- how to, um, you know, it's, from a business standpoint, is how to drive up a, a higher check, yeah. how to get the consumer yeah. to pay for more. And a lot of that comes from <laughs> bundling packages, mm-hmm. you know, H- how do you, um, you know, group foods together, make it user friendly for the customer to order while selfishly as a business owner, you know, driving up the average check. Um, you know, I, I, I think that sort of stuff. Yep. Um, you know, I don't know. Wow. Hey, Dan, let's uh, take you back to uh, me, your history. We, we, you left school, went into investment banking, and then now from there, uh, you started supporting the franchise industry uh, in your own way. Uh, what would you consider your biggest, uh, would I say, failure or, or mistake? And what did you learn from it? And and why should people care? <laughs> um, I, I was, I've had many, many failures in my life. I, I assume we're talking about just just related to to business and and this sector. <laughs> yeah. uh, but but um, uh, I I I have. I'm now older and wiser, I suppose. I think um, I hope um, the the what I what I've 
increasingly become fond of saying is what I would say to my, you know, what, one of the things I've learned along the way is, you know, let, let the operators, let the business operators do what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, let them, let, 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 let them, um, stay out of the know when to stay out of the way i think is ultimately what it is and that's something that takes learning because if i go back and think of my 25 year old self that was definitely not me i was very uh, caught up in knowing all the details and asking a lot of questions and i'm sure ter incredibly annoying to uh you know the ceos and uh operators that i was dealing with uh but but it was how i uh felt i needed to perform my role I've learned there's a very happy medium of being there as an investor and a resource yeah. to help, um, yeah. you know, whenever needed, making sure they feel comfortable uh, reaching out with any help they might need. While also, you know, sometimes I do need to step in if some, yeah. something's not going right mm -hmm. or ask some questions. And, you know, but but, um, you know, probably my, my biggest failure was was early on getting too much into people's business and um, <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, and, and probably distract, distracting them from, yeah. you know, what they should have been doing, which is operating their business and hopefully making money, making money. <laughs> well, let's take, let's take a little bit, uh, on that, Dan, and talk about partnerships. Cause I mean, your business and, you know, you, you're, you're around CEOs and entrepreneurs and brands and bo other board members, investors, maybe talk a little bit, or maybe some advice for, for entrepreneurs heading into a relationship and partnership with an investor, whether it be private equity or growth capital and, or maybe their lender, what are the best ones do and, and what advice would you have for, for navigating that partnership? And, and that includes, you know, deciding to partner with somebody, um, you know, and making those choices. What advice would you have, Dan? Yeah, listen, I'll take, I'll take that in pieces. First of all, the, the decision to partner, um, you know, usually is either access to capital mm -hmm. um uh or de-risking you know hey you, you've done done well maybe take some chips off the table mm -hmm. um and you know maybe it's some combination of the two right hey i want to take this further but i also want to de-risk a little bit yep. you know all, all of those things fit for you know being uh you know seeking a partner but um uh listen it's it's ultimately it's it's akin to a shotgun wedding yeah. right um you, you you ultimately are getting married to someone um someone who you know depending on what type of transaction you do whether it's a minority you know the, go the governance associated with that um you really have to feel good about uh this person and uh comfortable that you know hey this isn't just going to be my friend and my partner when things are going well um but things inevitably have you know bumps in the road you know how how are they going to behave in that uh, scenario? Um, because you know you, you you don't have to worry about when things are good. You have to worry about you know what could go wrong. Again, looking around the corner. But you know, don't. My only advice: don't rush into anything. Yeah, you know, just like nice. you shouldn't rush into marriage. You know, mm -hmm. make sure you really, really feel comfortable because, in many ways, this is as important as your uh, partner, uh, right? Your, your partner in marriage or yeah. in a life. Um, this is your partner and your, your, you know, this, you know, this is like a child, yeah, you know, um, you know, this is something you've grown, yeah. you've invested a lot of your time, blood, sweat and tears. And, um, you know, y you don't want to make a rash decision about who, who, who you're going to be inviting into, you know, into your chapel. <laughs> wow. 
Wow. Uh, Dan, uh, if you if you don't mind, let's 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 take some time to discuss uh, some of the the social aspect of uh, the world of franchising. Okay, uh, and then a lot of talk has been uh, been a lot of discussion about how to promote more. I mean, having the franchisees or franchisors really being involved in their local communities. Uh, providing opportunities or diversifying the opportunities. Uh, so from your own perspective, uh, how do you see uh, the world of capital providers facilitating uh, that that trend? Yeah, listen, um, it's, a, it's a great question. First of all, I, I know a lot of franchisors are... are, uh, are uh, music to their ears, the owners of businesses, um, you know, is to to have someone local yeah. um, be the market representative, right? Because they have built-in um, networks and mm-hmm. you know built-in customer relationships that just help you know launch launch the business, as opposed to someone who's you know flying in and flying out and whatnot. Hmm. Um, there's no there's no there's no substitute for that for that authenticity and for that local feeling. But most importantly, it's a hard job to to recruit people. Um, yeah. It really is. Today is a very tough environment to recruit, and you know, being able to be a familiar face, be a local person, you know, reach into the communities, yeah. um, and particularly to you know reach into underserved communities, um, you know, to make your uh, local business um, represent. The local, yeah. you know, look yeah. like the complexion of um, <laughs> and not just skin color, but it's, you know, you're a local person. You're, you know, mm-hmm. you, you know, the, you know, the hood, you know, the neighborhood, mm-hmm. um, uh, I think is very important. But but also it's just, um, you know, uh, hourly way, hourly labor um, and and, you know, um, particularly, you know, restaurant um is something where you can take someone who's untrained and just see potential in them, um, you know, and, and maybe take them out of a risky, um, uh, you know, by offering them not just income, but, a but a a career track that Mm -hmm. goes beyond, uh, just being a a fry, you know, on the fry machine, Hmm. um, and learning responsibility. And there, there is something, you know, to be said for, you know, the franchise world, uh, fostering that yeah. and and you know listen to 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 um, uh, to expand you 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 want to follow that playbook and it is a playbook that's been proven out not just in um, in not underserved communities but it, but it's everywhere because you know these uh, these businesses really are um, you know a a microcosm of our country yeah. uh, you know mm-hmm. lots of different all races type creeds mm-hmm. types you know whatever. Working together in a business environment. Hmm. Well, and I think that's you know that gives a great view into for some people to realize. And we've talked to owners, as you allude to, Dan, that have team members that started at the front desk and then own a Planet Fitness or start at the you know in the fry cook and our regional manager. And if you're a good CEO, yep. right, you're building that team. So I'm going to end with you know just in your seat, Dan, as an investor you know, focus on consumer multi-unit and the world we're in, you know, any, any trends you, you and the firm at good partners are looking at or excited about, you know, whether it's, you know, uh, consumer oriented or technology that, you know, you're excited about heading into the future in today's landscape. 
Yeah, listen, um, uh, not so much on the technology side. That's that's always been a scary place for me and for us. Um, you know, we leave that to sm much smarter people. Um, on the <laughs> on the con on the consumer side, we continue to you know, it's just restaurants in particular. Just such a fun space. Yeah. There's so much. There's so much innovation. There's so much um, uh, creativity in coming up with new businesses and new concepts. Um, there, there's always something to look at there. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're pretty active there. I think, you know, it's something I said earlier, but the over our, overarching theme of wellness, wellness, whether that's fitness, uh, or, uh, food, yeah. uh, you know, ingestible food, CPG, uh, or, or restaurants, um, isn't going away. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so wellness and, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot actually on the multi-unit, um, wellness side. Yeah. So, so spas and, yep. um, uh, you know, um, there's lots of exciting, lots of yep. exciting stuff going on there that I think is not, not just a fad, um, that we'll continue to see a proliferation of. So we're keeping IRS and all that stuff. And, you know, selfishly, it's, um, a bit self-serving because, uh, we all try to stay, stay well and be yeah. healthy ourselves. And, uh, you know, we, we get to apply what we're reading or learning or our own exactly. daily practice into, uh, investing, which um, which always makes it uh, hopefully makes us smarter in what we're doing. Definitely, wow, awesome, uh, Dan. If I may ask, this is one question I always ask uh, most of our guests: uh, what 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 keeps you what keeps you awake at night with regards to what you do in the franchise world? <laughs> well, it, it, it's what keeps me awake at, at at night about what happened, what's happening in the world right now. Is, it's, it's, uh, yeah. Filters down into all, all of our investments as yeah. well. Um, you know, I think uh, you know uh, there's there's a lot to be nervous about. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the consumer. We're in the consumer world. We did. We rely on disposable income, yeah. and I think you know there's some challenges uh, ahead. Um, I personally thought we would have experienced more of them than we have mm -hmm. uh, so far. So I don't think uh, I'm. Uh, I don't think we're out of the woods. So I think there's still some some. Mm -hmm. Little bit of pain to happen which you know is, is tough to to uh predict when or how 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 hard but uh, it does feel like some some is coming so that's that's always going to keep me up at night when i'm thinking about whether to underwrite a new business plan uh, and make an investment how, how, how i'm gonna have that filter through my projections and you know the investment case that i'm thinking about but you know um th th this th this too shall pass yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we appreciate you your so your time, Dan, and and from here at Babson College and the Tariq Freed Franchise Institute, you know it's a pleasure to have you. We're grateful for the insights you provide our our guests and our students, and we'd love to have you here uh, in person at some point. Thanks very much, guys. I appreciate the invitation. Uh, enjoyed the conversation, and I would would love to take you up on that. I uh, can't wait. Appreciate it. Dan. Thank you, Dan. Well. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Stars of Franchising. Stars of Franchising was produced at Babson College, engineered by Travis Gray. Karen Soa is our guest coordinator and music by Ralph Taylor. If you like Stars of Franchising, be sure to review us wherever you get your podcasts and spread the word and share these stories any way you can. <laughs>